guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club. As I keep saying, your podcast of choice, right? Right? Tell, tell me it's true. Uh, excited to introduce our special guest this evening. You know him, you love him, you've heard him before in our Preacher to Preacher segment. Let's give a big club welcome to Reverend Andrew Barker. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be back. Thanks, Andrew, for joining us tonight. How you doing? I'm not doing too bad. How about yourself? I'm fine, thanks. Kids are in bed and all that. They are now, yes. Oh, fantastic. Well, um, I'm just going to give a quick bio on you, Andrew. I don't think we did that the last time we had you on, and it warrants a bio this time. Oh, do we? Okay. Yeah. So, Andrew, did you know that you're the lead pastor of the Windsor Church of the Nazarene? <laughs> Not only Praise that. Yes, sir. Not only that, Andrew serves on the district advisor the District Advisory Board for the Canada Atlantic Church of the Nazarene, as well as serving on the District Nazarene Youth International Council for Canada Atlantic as their Nova Scotia representative. He's a graduate of Ambrose University with a Bachelor's of Theology, and he received his Master's from Tyndale Seminary in Toronto in Theological Studies. So again, Andrew, welcome to the show. Are you excited? Oh, I'm more than excited. Now, fantastic. I'm going to give you a fair warning right now because I'm seeing, you know, as I'm talking, you're giving some head nods and different things for affirmation. Let's remember this is an audio-only medium, which <laughs> which means I'm going to need you to vocalize. If, if I say something funny, um, don't just kind of like do the silent, throw your head back and laugh. Really lean into the mic and just let the people know how funny their host is. Okay. <laughs> yep. I will do my best to. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I was shaking my head just in. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Oh, this is going to be a great night. Well, Andrew. Uh, I'm excited. We've got a question from Yahoo, and uh, and it says this. Why do you wake up so early? Now, I, I just want to... Uh, this question could be two things. Either this person is asking just a general question of why do you wake up so early kind of using like, is it what we call it the Royal you in the way we say the Royal we. So like you as a generalization or is this person stalking me or you and they know our habits. That's, that would be a little bit creepy. I'm, I'm hoping it's a little more of just the Royal you. I, I hope just so. Inquisitive question. Yeah, okay. Out there to the public. Yes. Uh, Yahoo user. Let me see if I can pronounce this. Sarcastatron says, It's those darn neighbors and their obsession with making noise at the crack of dawn. It's really disturbing my beauty sleep. They won't be happy until they give me crow's feet. Now, I feel like I'm missing some, <laughs> some part of the equation. What is the deal with crow's feet and what do the feet of crows have to do with this person's sleep? They got to be squinting their eyes or something in disapproval of having to be up that early. Oh, crow's feet or wrinkles. Yes. Oh, that's a way. Okay. So this person has neighbors that want to give them wrinkles from being so sleepy. Yeah, probably that's, that sounds about right. All right. Another Yahoo answer uh, user, her name is Patty. She says, because I'm a slave of the system. 
And and then Ouch. then right after, so it says because I'm a slave of the system. Then uh, then they've got a colon and a left parentheses. So I'm not 100 percent sure what's going on there, but colon left parentheses. I'll let the listener figure that out. If you can solve that riddle, someone hit me up in the comments with what that means. For me, it's my kids, Andrew. Uh, I can see you looking at me inquisitively. My kids are what keep me up at night. And right now, oh, well, actually, it's, it's actually going a little bit better. But we've gone through stages with my kids where we have to do this sleep training. I'm air quoting sleep training because for some reason, my kids out of nowhere will all of a sudden now be scared to go to bed by themselves. And so it's this long process of, of inching your way out of their room each night until finally you're out of their room when they go to bed and, and all this stuff. So generally speaking, uh, why do, Oh, sorry. Why do I wake up so early? Because my kids wake me up so early. If it's, they get up at six o'clock on the dot every morning. What about you? Actually, my answer is relatively the same. More often than not, I get up because of my kids. Uh, they are very strong early birds, and they're so, boy, usually 5, 5.30, they're up, and we try and push it, uh, Nicole, my wife, and I, to 6 or 6.30, but it's usually the kids that are waking us up. But we're trying to take advantage of it and use that early waking time to get things done, to have a good breakfast and hang out together as a family. So... It's really a, a small blessing or probably a big blessing to be up that early wow, you really, before school and life kind of begins. You really turned that one on me. Huh. I tried. Um, generally for us, they'd be up at six and it wouldn't matter how late we would put them to bed or how early. So we just picked an arbitrary time that we felt they would go to sleep at and it gave us a little bit of time in the evening when we're together. Uh, yeah, we tried that because they get up so early and we were really playing with it. But we found probably the same as you. They could be up as late as we wanted or they wanted. They still got up super yeah. early. So Yeah, right now it works well. They get up at 6. Actually, we have to wake them up at 6, which is ridiculous um, because they have to be out the door in an hour uh, for school. So that's all changing, though, and it's going to be they can sleep in a little bit longer, Lord willing, if they will. So, mm -hmm. so for both of us, it's it's well, the kids. It's rare, but uh, they have slept in a few times. Yours have a uh, few times. It's rare, but uh, it's happened. I'm not sure if if you've ever done this. I have done this. My, sometimes out of nowhere, my kids will sleep in, or one kid will sleep in, and I start to honestly wonder: Is my kid still alive? Like, and I'm not even kidding. Like, I've honestly wondered is, so I'll like, I'll, I'll slide into their room as quietly as I can. I'll stare from the hallway to see, can I see the pillows or can I see the blankets rising yeah. up and down? And eventually yeah. it gets to the point where I'm like, I'm hovered over them with my hand around their nose. That, has this ever happened to you? Yeah, no, I've had a few of those moments. In fact, we just got rid of bunk beds because I do the same thing, but I get too close and then kind of in my effort to escape without waking them, I'd hit the top of the bunk with my head. So <laughs> those had to go. Wait, so you were on the bottom bunk getting out, trying to escape? No, but my kid, my kid would be on the bottom bunk. So I'm getting closer and closer because I'm oh. not seeing the blankets move and yeah, I yeah. want to make sure it's all's okay. So then by the time I can get a visual, the backup, when I back up, I hit the back of the 
my head on the top bunk. I understand. I understand. Okay. So, Andrew, here's another... A little bit about me. A little bit about you. Here's another story. My landlord took the washing machine that I sold to the next tenant. Here's a little context for you to consider, and we can kind of make a commentary on this. I moved out, and I sold my washing machine and dryer that I bought to the next tenant. Before the next tenant confirmed that she would buy them, I already told the landlord that I have a plan to sell them to the next tenant. Otherwise, I would sell them to others when we discuss uh, about moving with real estate broker. Oh, broken English. One week after my family moved out, the next tenant moved in and found that there was no washing machine and called me. I asked landlord and he said that he hired cleaning company to clean the house and he did not know that they were, that there were washing machine and dryer, man. However, the tenant said that the landlord told that he thought that they are just garbage and paid the cleaning company to remove them for a buck 50. Oh, no. Oh boy. 150 bucks. The next tenant blames me and wants me to pay money back. I Don T know what to do. Oh, I don't know what to do. My dad went to the house and found that there was a dryer and air valve from the landlord's garage. What a, what a that's, tale. That is, that's, oh boy, that's, that's more than just miscommunication. That's, yeah, that's, that's. Is there theft happening here? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to follow the story here because my original thought was just, oh, this is just, you know, an honest case of miscommunication. But now it sounds like someone really did go out of their way to cause some trouble here. Who? Who do you think in this story? I'm, I'm curious. I'm feeling it's the landlord a little bit, well, but you see, I agree. The landlord seems like the initial um, antagonist of this story, but 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 let me toss this out. The tenant moved out and left them in in the building. At that point, are, are they theirs see, anymore? That's, that's where it gets a little shady because by then it's they're you're, they're not under your protection, and that is the landlord's property. So. I've, I mean, yeah. I've only ever Not been a landlord, landlord once. Response, that's a very, very confusing tale. It is. From a land, I, I've been I've been a landlord once. We rented uh, the house that we used to own while we were trying to sell it. And when the people moved out that were there, anything that they left behind, uh, once they were gone for a certain amount, we, we were pretty gracious and they were great tenants. But once once they were out, anything that left was left behind was garbage, if, if you know what I mean. Um, and it was, you know, our house. And um, But I actually have a personal story yeah. that kind of relates to this, Andrew. And you tell me... But I think there's some broken trust in this relationship. Mm, okay, Andrew, why don't you unpack what you mean by, by that, the broken trust in this relationship? Well, if I remember correctly, you had mentioned that the older tenants had told the landlord that they had sold the washer and the dryer to the new tenants. So it seems like there's already a, like a trust built there. Like the, the old tenants have let the landlord know, hey, I've sold this, um, but there's no, no reason in moving it because it's going to be the new tenants. I, I could be wrong, but I think I heard you mention that. So it feels like there's some trust that was broken there because 
the landlord was aware that the washer and dryer had been sold, yeah. but then still took it upon themselves to get rid of it yeah. or they thought or thought they were garbage. Yeah, you're right. How, what landlord thinks a washer and dryer that are left behind are just garbage and doesn't check them? Yeah, that's that's another good question. Really though. Uh, yeah. Um so here's my story. When I was in university, I had this I had this sectional couch that traveled with me all the way from PEI. I, I mean, I grew up with this couch as a kid. When I was a teenager, this couch made its way to the basement with me. And when I was a young adult, it moved to Moncton with me. And uh, and all my friends, like this couch, this couch traveled. And so uh, finally, it it was at a house that, that I was renting. And again, love this couch, sectional couch. And so eventually... Uh, the, the landlord of the house and, and, and I didn't have much communication. We would see each other. Basically, someone would come to the door and take my money and go uh, each month. And, and that was the extent of the relationship. When it was time for me to go to another house or to, oh, I forget where I was going, but we were leaving there. Uh, I hadn't, I, I had left for a little bit and was planning to come back to get my stuff because there was still like my couch and different things. So I came back to the house to come get my, get my stuff and my couch was gone. Oh no. I, like just my couch and I, and, and nobody knew where it went. I mean, nobody knew where it went. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how many, I don't know how many months went by. I kind of just was like, well, you know what? That couch doesn't owe me anything. So, uh, but I was looking on Kijiji and I'm not kidding. I found my couch for sale on Kijiji. Are you serious? Dead serious. That doesn't happen often. No. And I didn't pursue it. Uh, I was a broke student. I had no money and, uh, yeah, I found my couch on Kijiji. I'm convinced someone took my couch. Having said that, maybe this is a similar situation. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> maybe maybe someone was trying to make a, a little bit of extra money there. Yep. Ooh, what but was that what was that sound? I think I got an email. Ah. Very nice. Uh well, to me it sounds like uh, there's this so in within this story there's still the the other person that was supposed to be receiving the the washing machine and the dryer, right? That they paid they paid the initial tenant money. Yeah. So, so to me, what needs to happen here is initial tenant, the person that that feels slighted right now, you owe, um, you owe that person their money back. So whoever you are, pay pay the other people back, and then uh, if I were you, is Judge Judy still a thing? I I think so. I don't know. Because this is certainly not, uh, this isn't theft over 5,000. So, you know, this is like, I, I assume. Definitely, definitely Judge Judy territory. Right? Uh, small claims yeah. court. This, yeah. I, I've never gone to court for any of this kind of stuff. I generally try to not get in these types of situations. But uh, maybe get a private detective to go skulk around the the landlord's garage. It sounds like if you're, if your father found some stuff there, which makes me wonder, did the dad trespass? 
My dad went to the house and found that there was a dryer air valve from the landlord's garage. Yeah, it's it's a very is this a confession? Maybe it's a confession. Convoluted uh, kind of story. There's there's quite a bit going on there. All right. Well, Andrew, why don't you tie this thing up with a bow? Why don't Why don't you tell me your thoughts or how this (laughs) what needs to happen in this situation? Well, I think. See, we don't really know what happened to the washer and dryer, but we do know from the new tenants that it's not there. So I think you've you've kind of hit it appropriately. It doesn't seem like there's been much of a time delay, so I can't think of the money that was used to purchase it has really been used for anything. So probably the easiest way would just to give the money back and just kind of say, "Wow, that you know that's confusing," and kind of <laughs> let that be that. Uh, but that doesn't often happen. And I feel like this is going to, if it hasn't already, it's going to be quite a fight. Yeah. I think there's going to be an, you imagine putting, putting all these people in a room and just saying they're sorted out. Yeah. That. I mean, I'm, I'm all for communication. I think it's what's needed, but uh, we got to have the courage and the decency to be able to communicate. Whew. Bring it back. Nice job. You brought that home. Well, I tried. Thank you, Andrew. We're gonna look at one more question uh, before we go into our, you know, our not a sponsor break and all that kind of stuff. But this question comes from the internet, and it's our interweb question. It says this: What does the Bible teach about the Trinity? Oh boy, where do you want to start? Yeah, this is. I mean. Th- th- so obviously we're not going to, this podcast generally goes on for like 40 minutes to sometimes an hour. Um, so, you know, we could spend all of that time just on, on this, if you know, not hundreds and hundreds of hours, but I'm thinking just maybe a general kind of overview of the Trinity. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, the word Trinity, you would not find that in the Bible. Yeah. The word Trinity is not actually in the Bible, but the Trinity is. Like Certainly. we do have biblical scripture that 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 tells us, you know, in moments where there was the three persons of the Trinity, um, Jesus's baptism being one of them, where you have Jesus coming out of the water, the Holy Spirit as a dove, and then God's voice saying, "This is my Son, with whom I am proud." So, yeah, uh, the Bible the Bible teaches of Trinity. It speaks of the Trinity, but the actual title. Uh, did not come until later in in Christian history, right? And there are people that will teach that um, that sure they they would acknowledge that there's those three, but they would say that they're maybe individual. You know, they're they are their own. Um, but the Trinity is this whole idea of the three of those uh, in one. You know, they are all God. They are not little gods onto themselves. They are one God in three parts. Or um, like that, uh, which, you know, Jesus, you know, he said, you know, I and the father are one. Right. And, um, I now, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying it's, it's the, it's the same essence. Right. Yeah. Uh, when I talk about the Trinity with teenagers or my kids, um, well, and this was kind of what helped me understand it. It's a very dumbed down explanation, but, you know, H2O, um, it comes, 
it's 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 one essence, but we can get that in three different forms. So obviously H2O comes in water. We drink that. Uh, it's the liquid form. Then, you know, there's steam, which uh, is its spiritual form. I'm not sure I'm comfortable saying that. And and then there's ice, you know, it has a, it has a physical form. Uh, and so they're 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 one, but in three different parts and they have three different, you know, roles that they play. I, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 the problem is when we when we start trying to use illustrations, like it's good to explain initial or, or certain parts of the Trinity, but you're always going to, you can't fully explain it within these illustrations. And that's actually one of the, the majesties and the mystery of God is that the Trinity cannot be fully explained. I, I think with, with one type of illustration. Oh, certainly. So like, like you, you, you brought the H2O and that's kind of a, a form of, you know, modalism that there's three modes or three kind of ways that God displays himself sure so yeah which i'm not meaning to knock what you said or, or what you're saying with till your youth i mean it's one way of explaining it but it always is with that kind of subtext but i mean there's so much more to it than just that oh my goodness yes a hundred percent like i said that that was just to be a very introduction to the idea of a three-in-one sort of thing yeah no, no, I get you. And I've heard that one. I've heard the, the egg, you know, you have the shell, you have the, I don't know eggs well now, but you have the shell, you have the yolk, you have all of that, which creates three being, or one being three kind of parts. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's God. God is three persons, but each person is fully God. And then there is one God. It's, it's a mystery. And I actually had one professor of mine that explained it to that way that, you know, would you would you want to worship a God that is fully understandable in the understanding of like God is stronger than us. He's bigger than us. He's more knowledgeable than us, that there is a little bit of mystery in him. The fact that we can't perfectly explains him ex shows us that it's not we are above God, but that God is above us. Absolutely, Andrew. That's a really good point. Um, just with this whole uh you know, the Bible teaching on Trinity, you know, there's different scriptures that you can look, you know, even the very first page of the Bible, Genesis, um, mm -hmm. all kinds of places in Genesis one, you know, he talks about, you know, it shows us the Trinity, you know, um, Genesis one twenty six, you know, where God's making, making Adam, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Right. Well, who's he talking to? Um, let us make man. Well, that's right there. That is the Trinity. And um, it's been a while since I've tried to explain this, Andrew, so bear with me. But right at the very beginning in Genesis 1, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. And right at the very beginning, we actually see uh, a trinity of trinities is what I've heard it called. And, and basically, when God created, he had to create space, matter, and time all at the same time. The space-time-matter continuum. Um, Star Trek, little tip of the hat to Star Trek. Anyway... Um, 
But space, time, and and matter all have to exist together because you can't create one without the other. If you have space and time but no matter, then then what are you making? And if you have matter and time but no space, then where are you putting it? And if you have uh, space and matter but no time, then when do you put it kind of thing? Um, but so he creates those three things, which just those three would be a trinity right there. Uh, but if you take matter and break it down, well, what, what is matter? You know, um, solid liquid gas. And what is time? Time we, we say is present or is uh, past, present, future. And then space, we have, you know, the dimensions for a second and third, you know, we, uh, height, width, length, all that, all that kind of stuff. Like with right immediately, there is this trinity of trinities. Now, this isn't speaking about God and, and the trinity of, you know, Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. But I just think it's interesting that from the very beginning, we're presented with this idea of these three-in-one types of things. Mm-hmm. Any, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I enjoy that, that type of stuff. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've heard of that before. And, and yeah, it's interesting. Um Kind of just the way that the, the trinities of the trinities of the trinities, but uh, yeah, it's 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 such a great mystery, and uh, you know this idea that you know we have God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all God, but God the Father is not God the Son, and it's you know that homoousios when I talked about that same substance. Whoa, whoa, say that say that word again. That was that was cool. <laughs> homoousios. I might be saying it wrong but uh it's of same of same substance and it sounded like you were you were saying you know the father is not the son i can't remember what it's called but there's actually a a a triangle yeah i can't remember who what it who who it's from but it has it has god in the center like the like g-o-d capital g on each you know capital g-o-d and then on each corner of the triangle is father Son and Holy Spirit, right? And they got little connectors that go into the center. So, you know, f- the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But then the connectors between like God, the Father, and God the Son, there's a line that says "is not." So, uh, the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not, you know, the Son or the Father. So it's that of of same substance yet distinct in themselves. That's really cool. Uh, if, if, uh, you listener want to go a little bit deeper on the Trinity and, and look at that, I would encourage you just to do a quick something search, Google, not a sponsor. Um, and, and just search for Trinity and, and then look at the images. And that'll be one of the first things you see is this triangle. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it explains it explains it really well, and just kind of shows you uh, when I've taught on the Trinity, I I do I pull that up because it illustrates very well how they are independent but also of the same essence. Yeah, um, I use I use that triangle in my in my preaching. Yeah, so. no, no, it's 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 a fantastic resource, and I and I think it's really cool. And we're not going to go down into the roles of each one, um, but each you know. Each one, Jesus, you know, the Father and and the Holy Spirit, each have unique and individual roles in our lives, and each are active in our lives daily. And I th- and I think that's really neat. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time in the episode where we highlight a product that, in our opinion, does it better than anybody else, but does not support us financially. Nobody does it now, today I'm bringing you something really exciting and really different, and it's a notebook. Yeah, that's right, a notebook. A moleskin notebook. The moleskin brand was created in 1997, bringing back to life the legendary notebook used by artists and thinkers over the past two centuries, such as, maybe you know these names, dropping some names, Vincent Van Gogh, Pablo um, Picasso, Ernest Hemingway, and Bruce Chatwin. They all use this notebook. I need to do some fact checking. I take an awful lot of notes for the podcast, uh, whether it's just on the road and an idea comes my way, or if it's a sermon, or if it's for the courses that I might be taking at that particular time. And you know what it's like. You get a notebook and you know pages rip out easily and they get all crinkly and all that. It has never felt so good to put pen to paper, to put my thoughts down. And if you know me, I'm a slightly ADHD, and so I need to keep track of my thoughts. And in my opinion, nobody does it better at giving me a quality note-taking experience than Moleskin Notebooks. Not a sponsor. Well, welcome back, listener. We hope that you're enjoying your new Moleskin Notebook. Surely by now you've bought one. Um, so Andrew, what we're going to do now is kind of roll into the theme of the podcast, at least for the last little while since our inception and we're going, we're starting to run out of questions. Um, but we're doing these Wesley questions, Andrew, which I know you're familiar with, but for the listener that maybe is not acclimated with what we're doing, these are 22 questions that John and Charles Wesley and a group of men would ask each other in their accountability group each week that they got together. Uh, I think that they asked these to kind of center and focus themselves each week to make sure, you know, that they were, that they were on the right track, that they had, you know, right relationship with God and with each other. And, uh, and so we've been looking at them, and, and today's question is this. Do I grumble or complain constantly? See, I think this is interesting that it's it's not asked, you know, once and then you're done, but it's, you know, every week these questions were asked because my answer was going to be, well, it depends on the day, or I think it depends on the week, you know, what, what are the, you know, what things are stressing me out or you know, am I dealing with any problems or am I just getting frustrated over things? Because I find that anyone, but I know I do, that that probably the grumbling will come out if it's just been, a, you know, a tough few days. But then you could have a week where, you know what, things things have been good and I haven't really been that negative or, or grumbling that much. So I really kind of appreciate the thought that these would be asked every week that we'd be gathering as a group because it's, it's an accountability question because Absolutely. I know it. I know I'm going to be asked it, you know, on Thursday or whenever we meet as a group, but then it also shows us areas that we can be convicted and we can grow in, but also this, this, you know, this chance to be accountable with one another and say, you know what? No, I was pretty grumbly and, and whatnot. And then coming out of that meeting, I'm going to make an effort to be better. Yeah. But, uh, to answer the question between you and I, if we're having a holy club meeting, I I don't think I've been too grumbly this week. It's been been a pretty good week for me on that on that side of things. Uh, been pretty thankful and feel very blessed this week. Well, well, I'm happy for you. I wish I wish my answer were the same. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm just kidding. I haven't been. You know, but you know. Um, 
I like the way this is phrased. Do I grumble or complain constantly? Um, yeah. I think constantly is a key word in this question uh, because we all get annoyed and, and we all, there's circumstances that come our way that are outside of our control that affect us. And, and so, you know, it is not unnatural for me if, if I'm upset about something to talk to my wife and, and just say, you know, this is really driving me crazy what's going on. And, uh, but if it's, if it's constant, then yeah, that, I think that's key. I, I think that's key. And that's where I think that whole negative spirit, you know, kind of comes in and, and, and there are people, and I'm sorry to say this, that, and without, without any kind of judgment, but they, they, they just seem miserable and it, yeah. and it wouldn't matter what was going on. They would find reason to complain or grumble about it. That, that's not how I live my life. Um, yeah. And, and having known you for the amount of time I have, I don't see that evident in you either. Well, I appreciate that. And I mean, we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord in our lives, right? So, and, and displaying it. And people do make judgments on, on, on Jesus and, and on the church and everything through our actions. So, to be asked this question every week, you know, do you constantly grumble? I mean, it really is a, a convicting question. You know, I, I wonder too, if it, if you've got a constant, if, if it's just second nature for you to be in that space, is that really showing the fruit of the spirit in your life? Um, because Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. When I read yeah. that, you know, I could very much see the opposite of that would be complaining and grumbling because, you know, if you're in that constant space, cause there's, there's definitely not peace and patience. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking in those moments, yeah, for sure. I can see that you're venting probably more than you're displaying peace and patience. What do you think about this? Do you ever think that complaining is used sometimes to to elevate ourselves and diminish others? Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, because just looking back in my own life, I mean, often the times that, that we're complaining... Uh, yeah, that sometimes it's it's almost like we're blaming others, or or you know, kind of in comparison to us, right? Sure. We're not often grumbling about things we've done, but it's often things that have happened to us or things that people have done to us. Yeah. So I could see where you're coming from with that. Um, I I kind of I I looked around, you know, about what does Scripture say about complaining and and grumbling and stuff like that. And I'm going to give you a list of uh, of people that that have complained through Scripture. Uh, but before we do that, Philippians two fourteen to fifteen says, "Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world." If that scripture can't focus and center you on why grumbling and complaining should not be, you know, the constant part should not be a part of who we are. Um, mm-hmm. Now, scripture doesn't say um, do all things without constant grumbling or disputing. You know, it just says do all things without grumbling or disputing. Um, mm-hmm. And because we're children of God, we are to shine as lights in the world. So let me, you know, let me just toss the question out to all of us. If you're a Christian, we are children of God, and if if we're seen 
always complaining and always grumbling about circumstances and situations, even if it's not our fault, is that shining the light of Jesus in the world? I'm going to say probably not. Um, Mm -hmm. And and, And this is what I mean by having that, you know, we're supposed to be displaying the the peace and the joy of the Lord that's in us. Right. As the, as Philippians says, you know, we're in a, a, I'm going to paraphrase it, but you know, a crooked world and, and, and people are, are looking at us and are we being ambassadors of Christ uh, or are we kind of conforming to the world around us? Sure. If you look at the very beginning in uh, in Genesis again with Adam and Eve, you know Eve was the one that took the took the fruit. Eve was the one that was deceived, but Adam knew full well what he was doing when he ate. Scripture is super mm-hmm. clear on that. But what does Adam do when he's confronted by God and and his mistake? He you know, places the blame on he, Eve. Yeah, yeah. He places the blame on Eve, and not only that, he 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 places the blame on God and complains. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. you know, he says that the woman that you gave you me, gave. Yes, right, for sure. Right. And so, so right off the bat, we're seeing, you know, the very first complaint in, in scripture was Adam complaining that God gave him this woman because look at what all that brought. Um, you know, yeah. Cain, uh, Adam and Eve's child, you know, Cain who had an offering that wasn't acceptable to the Lord, you know, scripture says that he became angry in, you know, inside and, and so, you know, is that a type of um, complaining or grumbling on the inside? Yeah, I would, you know, I would think so. Um, Moses, my goodness. Uh, Moses meets a burning bush and it's God and and complains the whole time to God about his um, his lack of ability to fulfill the call, you know, not only his ability, he complains about the call. He complains about his own ability. And then he complains about the people that he's called the lead. Yes. And then the Israelites in the wilderness, for sure. There's quite a bit of grumble in there. Oh my, yes. Even, even though, even though God provided every day for them. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it. we could just, you could keep going and you probably have a whole list that you could keep going on. But I mean, we still do that to this day, crumbling or grumbling over circumstances. But as you'd mentioned, like, with Adam placing blame and, and grumbling to God, I think we still do that. It, it's sad, but it almost seems like God becomes an easy target for us to, you know, complain to about the things and circumstances of our life. Sure. And I do think, and you're right, I do have more, but that's all right. I, I do think that there's a difference between complaining to God versus complaining about God to, yeah, to that's, God. that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, God knows our concerns and our cares. And so for me to say, Lord, you know, this situation is really bothering me. I don't know what to do and all that. I, to me, I think that that is, I, maybe I'm wrong. I, I think that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But when it's God, how could you do this or how, why didn't you intervene or, you know, and, David did that. You can look in the Psalms, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? You know. Well, I mean, there is many prayers of lament in the Bible, and I mean, God, God welcomes those too. Those questions of why God and you know what's happening and, and that kind of stuff. Sure. But when we start, you know, blaming God, dare I say, for 
the problems we're creating or the sins in our lives. No, absolutely. I think we're, we're, we're going down a dark path. But I mean, yes, we are. I mean, God welcomes us to have that relationship with him. And that includes us coming to him, you know, in our lowest points and in those moments where we are grumbling and just questioning and just lamenting over things. Yep. Um, there have been different things in my life and I'm, I'm not sure about you and I'm not going to go into detail, uh, but there have been different things in my life that I have had to do that I didn't want to do. And, and if I was being honest, they, they weren't my job to do. It wasn't my call to do. I don't know how to put this without being specific. So I'm not going, I'm still not going to be, I had to come to a place in my spirit where I said, Lord, even though I don't want to do this, someone else should be doing this. I will do this without complaining because I'm going to do this for you. Um, to be a servant of the Lord. To, and I know that might sound very self-serving, and, but but I, I could not live with the negativity that I was feeling every time I had to approach this, you know, quote unquote job to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was grating at me. And so I was just like, Lord, what, what do we do about this? He said, you know, when, when you do this, you, you're doing it for me, not for them. And so mm-hmm. I, and so then I'm like, okay, if I'm doing this for you, then I'm not going to grumble or complain. So every time I have to take on that task, I go, Lord, this one's for you. <laughs> Amen. Um, well, you know, I, Andrew, do you have any other thoughts on this question? Do I grumble or complain constantly? No, I think we've had a good discussion about it. I think too, and I guess my wrap up to this would be, you know, Jesus, when he wrapped up all the commandments and, you know, the laws and the prophets, and he said, you know, love God, love others. Mm -hmm. It would be difficult to love others if we spend our whole time complaining and grumbling about them. Yeah, for sure. I look at this, Andrew, and it just helps me to check myself to go, am I living in with a, with with that negativity and that spirit of negativity, because I don't want any of that. I want the peace, the joy, the patience, all the fruits of the spirit evident in my life. And if I mm-hmm. spend my time in this, then those fruits are not evident. Yes. So I came across this question as we're starting to wrap up the episode, Andrew. Uh, it says this, grounded for a year. Was that appropriate? Listen to the context. Last September, I stole my mom's credit card and spent $5,000 on Minecraft and Reddit gold. I made a huge mistake. She was furious and she screamed at me for five hours straight and said, you're grounded for a year. No electronics, no TV, no books, no drawing, no junk food, no bathroom, no lunch, early bedtime, 7 p.m., no talking, summer school, burning my personal items, locked in my room with gym mats on the walls. Every day, every day it was school, homework, sit and stare at the walls until bedtime. No Christmas or birthday. Summer was so hard and boring. Every day I could hear people outside playing, but I was grounded. So I had to stay in my room. I cried a lot and it was still daytime when I went to bed. When school came, I was so happy. I think a year of such strict punishment is too much. What do you think? I, is he making this up? I don't. Um, <laughs> wow. If that's true, yes, that's way, way too much. I would think so. I would probably find ways that that person would be paying me back if I was their parent. Yeah. There probably would be some grounding and some loss of certain privileges 
change the Wi-Fi password or something. But uh, that... Oh, you know this kid's got that Ethernet cord going straight to his Xbox. He's not worried about your Wi-Fi passwords. Oh, I'll, I'll find a way. But anyways, I yeah, I feel like this is gravely overboard. My first thought was, that's, uh, I mean, 5,000 on the dot seems suspect to me. There's there's probably tax, and so it's probably more than five grand, which means it's theft over five thousand, um, which which puts this kid in front of a judge. You know, yeah. right? Is that not a thing? Is that it doesn't? Isn't there a dividing yeah. line? Maybe, but would you put your kid in front of the judge? Hey, listen, if they stole five thousand dollars from me. Uh, let's see. Theft over 5,000. Anyone who commits a theft where the value of the property is valued at more than 5,000 will be charged with an indictable offense, which carries a maximum sentence of 10 years imprisonment. Holy smokes. This kid just wanted to, to play the Minecraft. What on earth can you buy on Minecraft for that much money? Also, I, I don't know. What, what is Reddit gold? I'm so, we're so out of touch. Do you, seriously, do you know what Reddit Gold is? I know. Oh. Well, Andrew, uh, I'd like to thank you for being on the show. And before we go, uh, I'm looking to get a uh, book recommendation and a music recommendation. Well, what I'm reading right now is actually kind of catching me at the start of a book. I'm reading The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Uh, okay. It's just sitting on my bedside table. I'm only like two pages in, but uh, looking forward to to what's what's going to happen in that book uh but if, uh, one that i would recommend would probably be oh the cost of discipleship by dietrich bonhoeffer is a quite a powerful book so right. i i was quite changed by that uh as for music oh boy what am i listening to just a lot of a lot of worship music uh any group in particular I want to say I I apologize. I'm not too good with groups. I'm trying to think of a song, and I think I mentioned it the last time I was on the podcast. Uh, was the first time that I heard it, but the the song you know I am who you say I am has has been you know in my prayer life and has been affecting me quite a bit. And and uh, so I would say that's probably my recommendation is just to listen to that a few times and and give thanks to the Lord that we are who He says we are. That's loved and forgiven and saved. So, uh, the the song title is "Who You Say I Am" by Hillsong Worship. I knew I had a feeling it was one of the Hill songs. Yeah, it's it's that Hill song. Um, I have given out my music recommendations before, although you know what, I'm going to toss one out there again. But for me, the book that I um, that I've really enjoyed and I want to throw out there for you is called Church History in Plain Language by Bruce Shelley. I, I bought this book specifically because I needed it for a course I was taking. What surprised me was how engaging uh, this book was in, in um, communicating our church history and okay. all the different aspects of it in honestly in language that I could understand because I'm a simple person. And uh, so it's, I didn't, I, I mean, when I had to read it, I read the specific portions I needed to, and then had to move on to different books for whatever. Uh, but it's a book I'm picking up again because I would like to get the clear picture 
uh, of our church history. So I would I would encourage anyone that's interested at all in in that to uh, pick up Church History in Plain Language by Bruce Shelley. My music recommendation uh, is a band called Mute Math. And uh, Mute Math have all kinds of albums out. They've been on, you know, different talk shows in, and and just a really unique sound. Um, I don't know if I would call it an indie sound, uh, but the only way for you to find out is to check them out. So uh, you can look and find any of this stuff on uh, Spotify and, you know, Apple Music, wherever music is found. And I'm sure if you look on iBooks or Google's equivalent, you can find the books that we have referenced as well. So thank you, listener, for taking the time to spend it with us. And uh, thank you again, Andrew, for giving up some of your night. Please uh, say hello to your wife for me and thank her for for giving you to us for this last hour. And uh, remember, listener, you can send in any of your questions. We would love it to have some dialogue with you. Uh, you can send those in to our email, OxfordHolyClub at gmail.com. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram at Oxford Holy Club. That Instagram, I'm going to be taking pictures of kind of in the process of recording or, you know, different things to do with the podcast. When we have guests and I'm in person, take pictures with them or short little videos and things. Hoping to really get that Instagram up and running. So you can find us on all those social medias and email us your questions. So until next time, keep spiritually fit and have fun.